You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome to A Step Further. This is our weekly podcast from Kingsway Christian Church. My name is Matt Nickerson. I'm your host for today's podcast, and I have with me our guest, Dr. Christopher Yuan. And you can find more from Dr. Yuan at ChristopherYuan.com. He's the co-author with his mother of their memoir, Out of a Far Country, A Gay Son's Journey to God, A Broken Mother's Search for Hope. They took turns writing every other chapter of the book. It sold over 100,000 copies and is now in eight languages. Also, Dr. Yuan's newest book this year, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, Sex, Desire, and Relationships Shaped by God's Grand Story. It was named the 2020 Book of the Year for Social Issues by Outreach magazine. Dr. Yuan, thank you for being with us here today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So at the end of our session this afternoon, um, we took question and answer and my phone was blowing up while I was on stage trying Mm -hmm. to read questions that we'd already got from people. And so we didn't get to a few of these. I thought it'd be good for us to get to some of these now because some of them are so personal and people really want help. So I thought you're here. It's as if we're having a one-on-one session with them. You ready? So here's the first question we have. What advice do you have for parents of teenagers who claim to be gay and have been brought up in a Christian home? Their children in this particular story um, are not open to them talking about it. They didn't want to be here. They really don't want to go through your book. They're tired of the conversation. The parents are going, we don't want to change the truth, but they're still in the home together. How do they navigate that? Any wisdom for them? You know, I think what we... Um, a, a helpful thing, uh, you know, is not making sexuality like the main issue. I, I think that's probably what, um, you know, the child is, I don't want to talk about sexuality anymore. And and that's actually, I'm, and not that we always want to do, well, whatever the kid wants now, then just, you know, if, you know, that's the issue. It, it, it's, it actually is, is true as well for, from a Christian because, their sexuality or identifying as gay isn't even the main problem. If you know, if we're going to call, you know, use that term, this isn't the main issue. The main issue is their need to know Christ. So let's just say, for example, if this child just you know decides, well, you know what, I'm I'm no longer gay. I'm you know I'm I'm straight now, and I'm going to, like, if this is a boy, I'm going to date a girl now, or if it's a girl, I'm no longer going to date a girl, I'm going to date a boy. If they don't know Christ, essentially, eternally, they're in the same boat. So, as a parent, it's important for us to realize what's the main issue, yeah, And that changes the way that we pray, number one, but it also changes the way that we're going to engage with our kids. So it's like, the you know, whether they're dating someone or who, that's, that's not as big of an issue as how I'm going to find ways to kind of point them to Christ. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we're going to, um, uh, you know, uh, kind of hit them over the head with the Bible. Obviously not. But that is going to show how, in our own lives, um, how the gospel is real and true through our own life transformation. Um, So I I think that's, uh, you know, that's what I would do. So that then takes the whole sexuality kind of um, 
it sort of de-escalates the issue because our kids are expecting us to keep bringing up the sexuality issue. And it's like, you know what? That's, it's not that at all that we're okay with it. It's just realizing that's just secondary. In their mind, this is primary because that's who they are. This is everything to them now. And they just don't want to argue and talk about it. And so it's like, well, okay, we're, we're going to put on the forefront what should be on the forefront. And it's Christ. Yeah. And it's surrendering to Christ. So does it in your mind, and this is, this is where, you know, you're an expert in one side of this, but you're not a parent. So maybe not an expert every side, but in your mind, does it change depending on the age of the child? Let's say the child is 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 versus say 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, wherever that magic number is where it's like, Hey, you're an adult and you're a young adult, perhaps living in our home versus you're a child and you need our permission to go and do anything. Does that change the nature of the way the parent handles the situation. Yes, totally. And so I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up, Matt, because if there's a 25-year-old, well, that's going to be different than a 10-year-old. Right. Um, as a 10-year-old, there's much more opportunity as a mother or a father to have a voice to influence that child as opposed to a 25-year-old who's out of the home. Right. Many times there's that, you know, you can say something as a 25-year-old and like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> as a 10-year-old, they can say I'm out of here, but that's going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, so it is going to be very different. Um, as a 10-year-old, there you were going to be putting more boundaries in place. Kids actually, they need boundaries. And I think they actually want boundaries, even though oftentimes they don't you know, talk <laughs> about it as if, but they need those boundaries in place. But as a 25-year-old, we can't really enforce or put boundaries necessarily bounded unless you know we say if you come home you know these are some expectations you know etc but um so definitely I, I think there's going to be some of that so if it's a much younger child i think there can be a little bit more of um i am uh there's going to be kind of rules in place and there's going to be boundaries uh that then as a child gets older though some of those need to, I mean, I think there needs to be a revisit between the, you know, the mother and the, and the father, as they kind of look as children get older, that, that there's going to be a change in the relationship and the change in expectations, you know, whether they're living at home or not, or they're off at college. So there's going to be that. But, uh, I think we need to think that through also in, um, what we provide for children. So it, it, my parents do a talk for parent uh, for parents. It's called um, Extraordinary Father, Ordinary Parents, Extraordinary Father. And one of those things is making sure that parents aren't enabling their kids. Yes. So, for example, uh, a parent might, um, you know, pay for a kid's college tuition or whatever it is, or right. pay for their kid's, you know, car insurance. Um, a couple things you want to be consistent. So with all the kids, you can't say, well, this is, you know, my favorite kid. And so I think that's not healthy, but you need to be consistent across the board and consistent in the way of how you're going to provide that or not. Because I think 
I don't think that they should, that should be necessarily guaranteed. And I think it's okay to have some strings attached. The way I often say it is love is conditional. Uh, love is unconditional, but blessings aren't. <laughs> <laughs> blessings, there are conditions that, that come with blessings. And so there's going to be an expectation. For example, if I was a parent if uh, of adult child, um, I would you know, say you can live at my, you know, at home, you know, whatever you want, but there's going to be expectations. Um, this is not a hotel where you can just, you know, come and go. There's going to be expectations, yet you're going to play your part, whatever that is, right. and you won't, you won't have to pay rent, but there's, because of that, there's going to be expectations. So if there's, you know, where continued distrust or, you know, not honoring either of, of the parent, well, then we need to think this through. And, and I'm not just going to say whatever, that's okay. That's enabling, you know, of sinful behavior. So that's, yes. So age does make a difference. Now for a child, there's like, no, this is, this is the way things are going right. to be. And if that's not going to happen, then there's going to be clear consequences for that. So I know of a few situations in our church within the last year where uh, a child has come home and said at some point, some way or another, uh, mom, dad, I'm gay. Mm -hmm. um, and each story has its own background, history, yeah. trauma, and some situations related to it. So you're the parent and your child comes home. You, you told the story, I think it was this morning, you mentioned it in your books, that when you disclosed it to your mom, you, her only, the only thing she knew how to do is what we call aggressive control. It's like, well, I'm going to try to force this out of him, right? She yep. threatened you. It's me yes. or it's that. And you say, I see you. And you walked out the door. Right. Okay. So if you could go back in time and I know you can't, but if you could go back in time and coach your mom, <laughs> mom, yeah. here's, here's how to handle this differently. And I know at the time she wasn't redeemed. She didn't know Jesus, yep. but could you talk to our parents who maybe their kids have done this or are yeah. going to do it? Yeah. So, um, and, and this is great because of course, um, you know, you're going to have the parent listening now and be like, oh, well, this doesn't apply to me. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, just, just listen up because it might not be even related to this, but it could be something else. Mm. Um, I would, this is, and I said this in, in the talk, um, earlier this afternoon, thank them because, um, them opening up to you about this or any other, it probably took a lot of courage from their child to do it because they were expecting the worst. Just say, thank you for sharing this with me. Um, and then of course, I think this is what every parent knows. Tell them, I love you. Mm. Now don't follow it up with this. Don't say, but yeah, because when you say, but in essence, you've just erased what you just said before that mm. I would say, I love you no matter what. Tell me more. You know, and when you're writing, they teach you and is more powerful than but. <laughs> right. And you can literally say the same sentence. You can say the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Don't, I don't love say you. But yes. And. and right. We're going to continue to grow in our relationship. Yep. Learn to learn from God. We have, you know, I don't know what to do next, honey, but I'm here with you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Instead yep. of but. But. <laughs> it's because the same that, thing. That, yeah, because then you're like contrasting, right. you know, no, it is and, and, and it's, I know some, you know, a, a parent who, because often I say the things that we often want to say after the but, I, I say you can save that for another conversation. But mm. I knew a parent who did exactly that. He said, I love you and I love you enough to, you know, 
the, right. I, I love you so much that, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and as a parent, you don't have to get out all you want to say at that <laughs> moment, you know, because uh, we need to recognize that as a child, uh, it took a lot for them to come to the table with this. So sometimes it's just letting them have a little breathing space to then continue to open up and to share and just listen. And you can even say, I love you. Um, uh, let's, let's continue this conversation tomorrow. I, I want to think and pray and process and, you know, and that's, that's okay. Uh, but I also, you know, and, and I want you to know, I love you no matter what. I think yeah. that's, that's really key. Uh, yeah. Like my mom, she signed off all her Christian postcards. I love you forever. And, um, you know, I don't know if any, you know, the listeners, you know, remember the, the, um, the picture book, Love you forever. If you don't, you got to check it out. Like uh, you for always. Yes. As long as you're living, my baby, you'll be. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I didn't know what that meant, but when my mom showed me, I was a mess. I was, br- I was, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really touching, yeah. uh, you know, story, but, and uh, so, yeah, I, I would uh, say, you know, I love you no matter what. I love you forever. And, um, you know, tell me more. And, yeah. and, and this is the thing. I always say, tell your kids you love them. And kind of the automatic response from parents is, oh, I do. My parents, you know, my, my kids know I love them. <laughs> well, here's two things that I, I remind parents about. Number one, kids have amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> they forget, right? I mean, yeah. you tell them something one minute, five minutes later, they forget what? Number two, our kids are being told the opposite. Yeah. Our, especially from Christian parents, the world, schools, YouTube, Hollywood, media is telling our kids Christian parents cannot love their gay child or any child for that matter. And so, you know, they need to be saved from Christian parents. We joke that Disney hates parents like, and not because like they they can remove, they have to kill off the parents or make the parents, the bad guy that the child has to grow over top of. And it's like, why do Disney hate us? Yeah. We love our kids. All media. I mean, and even to be specific fathers, Yeah, you know, I mean, it's the dumb father. That's the the trope that's just used continuously. Uh, So I, I think, um, you know, we, we have to, so this message that, you know, the Christian parent cannot love their gay child, um, yeah. or, or, you know, Christian parents can't love their kids is, is quite persistent. And, uh, so that's why as a Christian parent, you need to keep reminding your kid, yeah. I love you yeah. and following that up with, with your actions. And so uh, just to highlight something you said, this is actually communication 101. I can actually say something later. One of the principles <laughs> I teach in parenting is when my child's not in a place to receive it, it's actually not the time for the lesson. Mm-hmm. So whether that's a timeout or a reconnecting, you know, we could talk about it tonight or even tomorrow. You know, there it doesn't always have to be right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also teach that every parent needs another person in their kid's life saying the same thing they'd say. So some mm-hmm. of those lessons might need to come from you know, our youth pastor, our kids pastor, or somebody else, but yeah. Okay. So, uh, I have a friend, this is another question mm-hmm. who recently shared of her child's same sex attraction. What can I do to come alongside the parent of somebody walking through this? Any ideas or thoughts for that person? You know, I, uh, whenever I hear a similar question like this, uh, my first question is, 
is this parent following Christ? Because that's, that's key. Uh, because if that person isn't, well, that would be my first point. You know, I would share the gospel with this parent, you know, or um, they say, oh yeah, they are. And then my, you know, my, my next point is how deep is their faith? You know, are they really, um, are they growing in the Lord? Is there fruit of, of their love for Jesus? Yeah. Because um, if they are Christian, but they're kind of just growing or shallow, then it's, I want to help them deepen their faith and understanding of God and, you know, his sovereignty and stuff. So, so those would be my, my main things in, you know, uh, how was that uh, parent? How was their own personal faith? Um, uh, then the next step would be like, let's just say this person is a strong Christian, um, I think it's helping them to see that um, putting this in the broad scheme of things, in that this is not the worst sin, um, your child, their main problem is their need to surrender to Christ. So don't make this like the end all be all, end all yeah. be all, the biggest problem. And, um, don't give the impression that oh, as long as my son is dating a girl, then I'm fine. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, it has to be, I want my kid to know and follow. If I can interrupt Jesus. for a second, I had a, a man in our church for a while there. He was in a small group I was in. He, he moved to another place. So he's not here anymore, but he's told me to use this testimony. I'm not sharing anything. He didn't tell me I could share, but um, his dad was not present, walked out on the family. So his mm -hmm. uncle, when he was a young teenager, I don't remember, 12, 13 years old, came in and handed him a stack of magazines, of mm. women's magazines. Mm -hmm. And uh, see here, I want you to look at these so you won't turn out gay. Mm. Well, instead what he ended up with was a profound um, addiction to sex and pornography mm. and multiple, multiple relationships, cheating on his wife and everything. I mean, mm. he ended up doing some phenomenal counseling transformed by Jesus. It took a lot of time, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, mm. but was on the other side of it, mostly winning the battle as mm. we talked about earlier today. But again, it, that guy was not coming from a Christian perspective, but regardless, <laughs> that's not a win, right? Right. That's right. not the end game either. Right. right? Um, mm. So, this does bring up another great kind of question, but this is now coming from the other side. So mm -hmm. we've been answering like, what if I'm a parent or how do I help my friend who's a parent? What if this is now the child? This question came in earlier. I wanted to get to it on stage. I just, I couldn't find a way to sneak it in there. So it's, and I'm going to read it as it's written, but I think the person's clearly hurting, mm -hmm. right? Does it mm -hmm. make sense? So yeah. it says, how do I hold my Christian relatives accountable for their judgmental attitudes when the comments and reactions are so commonplace, meaning they're your typical evangelical Christian reactive comments to homosexuality? You know, I, I think it's um, helping our loved ones, you know, ask, what are we doing to seek and save the lost, you know how is how are our words um, and our attitudes? You know, yes, this is sinful behavior, and yes, we shouldn't celebrate it. So, are we praying for them to come to know Christ? Mm. You know, I, I think that 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 should be a challenge or convicting. You know, so you're saying if you're a child and your parent is spouting off whatever. And it's inappropriate. So yeah. maybe just to ask them, how how are we praying for that person? So instead of getting anger, check your own anger. Right. And just ask, well, how are we praying for that person? Yeah, yeah. So if it was, yeah, um, 
you know, if it's, it's a child to a parent, I, I think it's, um, and it depending on the age of the child, because sometimes, yeah, you know, <laughs> I have three kids. I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would say, um, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that, yeah. H- how is, you know, what, what can we do? I, I think it's recognizing, uh, that this is sinful behavior because sometimes, what the parent, you know, is we have Jesus who came full of grace and full of truth. We are human and we are not full of grace, full of truth. Mm-hmm. What end up happening is we're either one side or the other. So we're either full more of grace, grace yeah. at the expense of truth or more truth at the expense of grace. Yeah. And so I could see what happens is you have this teenage child who's just all about, we just need to quote unquote love, which means you do you, which is not right. biblical love, but just, just grace, but like no truth. So they're like almost okay with their gay friend who is totally atheist and on a trajectory, even if they weren't even in the same sex relationship, but apart right. from Christ and they're okay with it. So then the parents, sometimes they respond and be like, all truth, no grace. Yeah. So we need to have, um, you know, and it's not even balance. It's just being full of grace, full of truth. It has to be full of 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 both. And um, so, yeah, if it, if it was um, a loved one like adults, it would be definitely how can we embrace the reality of the sinfulness, but also have the heart of God with saying, these are people who need to know about Christ. You know, my, one of my favorite verses is Romans 2, 4, which says mm-hmm. it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance and, and kind of maybe challenge people. How, how is God using us and our kindness to lead people to repentance? Yeah. I, it's one of my favorite passages too, because I've needed it at many points in my life. Mm. Um, that does lead me in the video we showed, uh, in the afternoon session. So anybody who was there this morning or didn't see either of those wouldn't have seen it. You referenced the, um, the lady from, I believe she's from Denver yep. who did the long-term study that showed sexuality is more fluid. Mm-hmm. And, and I've read this in, in a number of places. I can't remember. Linda, I think was yeah, uh, Dr. Lisa, Lisa, Lisa Diamond, Lisa, I apologize, yep. Lisa, uh, Dr. Diamond. So can you tell us a little bit about that study? And then what do you make of that as you're coaching parents and other people like, Oh, it's so fascinating. Um, you know, essentially she was breaking down this, uh, the myth that sexuality is fixed and, um, and almost innate because she was saying that people think then that is, uh, you know, if it's innate, then it'll help for gay rights. And her point is it actually hinders and it isn't help. It's not necessary uh, for gay rights. People be like, so what if they choose this? So what? I mean, of course, she's not necessarily saying that. Um, and in some cases, uh, a woman can be like, well, I did choose to date this girl. But in most situations, people say it, it's it's not a choice. I didn't choose these attractions. But what her research was showing is uh, that, as particularly among women, that sexuality is fluid. She wrote a whole book called Sexual Fluidity, okay. and she's not a Christian. Now, she is also against any type of therapy or, you know, kind of, you know, counseling or group therapy that that tries to, you know, by one's own will to change uh, orientation. But overall, I think it's just breaking down this myth that 
it's a fixed part of, you know, it never changes. Christians actually um, also fall into this as well. People are like, well, this is just the way I am. I can't change it. You know, I just, you know, that's why I take this term gay. Like, you know, as you know, I don't use that term gay because I think it is, it has become, gay has you know, become more a term of personhood, not a term of, to describe my attractions or feelings. Um, so the, you know, there's, uh, we see that there is fluidity and that kind of opens up to possibilities. I, you know, I don't have to be like, I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm this way forever. And I'm stuck in this kind of, you know, um, quote unquote orientation, even the term orientation has been conflated with personhood and identity and essence, which is also why I struggle with, you know, this is my predisposition and it's never going to change where I think even this research is showing, no, actually the research itself is showing that there is fluidity. Now it's not guaranteed, but I know God is, God can do anything. And he's, if he can bring dead to life. This is nothing to him. Now, I'm not going to bank on it or trying to think that that is my only hope for being made whole. But um, I think it's helpful for for parents to see that this isn't like the the, the, the only way that life is going to have to be. And we can just leave that open to God. If, you know, God is the one that can change hearts, then we're just going to hope that God changes a heart from one who is in unbelief like I was to one that now believes in Lord Jesus Christ. And once a person becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, that still means that the person is going to fight for their own faith and need to put to death our sin nature every single day. There's so many questions I have, so I'm going to try to force myself to a couple of them. Uh, for one, what you just said is so powerful, because the Bible does say, work out your faith with fear and trembling. That's right. And at the same time, it also says, if you are afraid, it's because you're afraid of punishment. You've not come to a full experience of God's love. Mm-hmm. And so I believe we're not supposed to resolve this tension of fear yep. of God, right? Because in the very beginning, it seems like Adam and Eve, their mistake was they stopped fearing God, and so they sinned around the tree, which is why the book of wisdom tells us proverbs that fear of god is the beginning of wisdom (laughs) so they're trying to take us back to hey if adam and eve had been a little bit more afraid Mm. they might not have given into this thing right so there's this tension there don't be afraid of him you have this profoundly loving god he loves you but if you're wise enough you're going to go i might not be the smartest person out there Mm -hmm. there might be somebody smarter than me who built this whole thing right and uh so maybe i should start with fearing him and listening to him and then trying to seek his face so dr diamond i sense this tension in you because because what it seems like Dr. Diamond's study showed is fluidity. By the way, we didn't define that. Fluidity means it can change over time. Yes. People who today can identify with these feelings and desires may later on down the road say, I don't have these feelings or desires. And we have some adult Christians like I think Ann Polk, if I'm saying that correctly, mm-hmm. who says that's her story, but her ex-husband, that's not his story. Right. And so it's it's fluid, but we don't know why or when it changes for some and not for others, right? Am I getting it right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and 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 for some it is uh, it can be influenced in different ways uh, through different parts of life. Sometimes women they connect more just through friendship, and then it can grow. From from that. For men, it isn't oftentimes like that. But I know several stories of women who, where they said, um, 
I, you know, I'm not lesbian, but my girlfriend is, or the people, you know, girls would be like, who would say, I've never had, you know, attractions toward women, but I went through this really bad divorce or, um, a ba really bad breakup with my boyfriend. He was abusive. And then a really close friend was, she was just there for me. And, um, she, you know, we became soulmates and we fell in love. Like wow. those are not uncommon stories. I've even heard of, you know, missionaries, you know, they were single women and they became really close and they fell in love. Um, I never hear that type of story with men. Interesting. Ever. So it might have to do with the way God made man yeah. and the way God made woman. And, and so yeah. So, it, and, and that is, I think, um, Men, when it comes to sexuality, tend to be a bit more physical, uh, visual, um, you know, sometimes more erotic, sexual. When it comes to sexuality for women, it can be that, but it does tend to be more relational. Mm. So, uh, you know, I kind of joke about this uh, sometimes, you know, with, with husbands and wife. I, I, I love to ask, like, couples, how do they meet? And I love to ask, like, you know, the man first, the husband. And it's like, how did you meet? And, you know, sometimes the story is like, you know, I met my wife. She was beautiful. I knew she was the one or something like that. <laughs> and then, like, the story from the wife's side is he was a dork. Like I didn't really <laughs> like him at first or something like that. You know, I feel like that might be my story, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which gives hope for us men. Right. Yes. Uh, and, and that's because God in his creativity made man and woman. We are different. Of course there's some similarities, but we are different in glorious ways. So when it comes to sexuality, men do tend to be more visual, more erotic, more physical women, can be, but it is about, man, is this person treating me special? And it can grow on, you know, where it's, for men, it's not so much, I, there's this meme that I love to mention. You can find it online where it's like you have uh, two pictures, a picture of a, uh, a machine that's really simple. It just has a knob on, off, and then below it says man. <laughs> the I see where this other is side yeah, yeah. is a, another machine with like gears and dials, and it says woman. It's complicated, you know? So I, I think that's a, you know, a good understanding of kind of the difference between male sexuality and female sexuality and how for women it can be more fluid and man, men it can be, but it can tend also be to be a bit more fixed as well. Yeah. If we have time, uh, I have one last question. It's in this realm. I wanted to ask it earlier. It says, I work in a community organization that see, that seeks to include all people in Hendricks County. That's the county mm -hmm. we, we're in here. Mm -hmm. And bring in marginalized people in our community. Mm -hmm. In our community, that is a lot of LGBTQ plus people. Yeah. How do I continue to promote and encourage all to be included in the county community without being affirming of sinful lifestyles? So I think this Christian is just saying, how do I do this in the workplace where I don't want to offend God, but that's mm. my role is not the religious role. I'm not in a pastoral role. I'm in a community role. Any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, sometimes if that's your role, uh, it, you know, is, you know, be to be inclusive and it, it, it depends on how much you're able to share about faith because I'm, I'm, my guess is you can't bring it up, you know, right. kind of with, without people asking. Now, if they ask, then 
Um, you should be able to, but now that's becoming less and less. Um, even even people ask, you can't even bring it up anymore. Uh, but but I think maybe a good way is to remind people, like if we are going to be completely open to all different perspectives, well, like for example, what happens if someone comes from Iraq mm. um, or Saudi Arabia? where same-sex relationships are not accepted. So are we expecting them to ditch that and become like us in the West? I'm expecting they're going to say, no, absolutely not. So then that should apply to other religions as well. Um, so I, I think it's it's helping to challenge them because, you know, of course they're trying to be completely diverse, but diverse means... We need to be acceptant of all perspectives. Well, but sometimes there's conflict. And not to use the Christian perspective as the, because we're viewed as right. oppressive, but if you use more the Muslim perspective, because, I mean, at the very, very surface level, we have the same perspective on sexual mor- right. morality. So yeah. that can be used as an example to say how we're we going to be completely inclusive where, like, let's just say, you know, there's several families in Hendricks, Hendricks County that come and they are from the Middle East. Are we expecting them to have the same views as we? So that could be a way to kind of just spark conversation right. to see how we're going to handle that in that situation. If that, you know, the hypothetical yeah. situation, if that ever arises. So I don't know who this person is. I have a few people in my head and it would change depending on which person is in my head. Does yeah. that make sense? I, what I would say to them, one thing I, I do think the power of we want Christian leaders in every field out there, Amen. obviously where it, where it's appropriate, right? There are fields that may not be appropriate. I can't think of one, but assuming it is appropriate, but I want them bringing dignity. So mm-hmm. there's always going to be hard places. I mean, yeah. I, I think God, in the, at least in my role, it's pretty clear. I get to live out the black and white, but then mm-hmm. I get to um, train. Ah, what's the word I'm looking for? I get to build people up and send them out to try to make a difference in their world. And so that training, that's the word I'm looking for. That training that I want to give them is, man, how do you bring dig- dignity? You mm. may not have the influence to change a rule or a way it's enforced in your community or in your workplace. Yeah. But when you look at everybody, whether they're in a, say a gay marriage or whether whatever it is, or is it living in some other sin, right? They're mm-hmm. proud or they're a gossiper. You mm-hmm. don't even know about it, but how are you bringing dignity and love mm-hmm. to that person in that moment when you meet them? Amen. And that's the power of being an image bearer. Amen. With that in mind, I just want to thank you so much. <laughs> Quite off there for a second. Thank you so much for being with us here uh, today, Dr. Yuan. It's been such a blessing. Thank you for your time. You, again, you could find out more at ChristopherYuan.com. You can go to KingswayChurch.org. We have a bunch of books and, and videos of Dr. Yuan's out there. You could find more information about him there as well. We blessing. We love you. Talk to you next time.